You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm sad. I'm sad, I'm angry, and I'm disappointed. But hey, it's a Wednesday. It's crunch time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and those Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here on this Wednesday afternoon. Producer and co-host is James Mesh. And as you can about imagine, the reason that I am upset on this Wednesday is the fact that the Astros... Hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? Sucked. Laid an egg. Played like crap. Yeah, you, you probably do want Houston. Boy, boy, boy. Now look, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. The Phillies played well last night. They did. They pitched well. They hit the ball well. They did everything right last night. And their fans got them fired up. And everything that I was told about the Philadelphia fan base was not a lie. Those people are ruthless. Ruthless. Have you ever seen Sixers or Eagles fans? They are brutal. They're all the, they're all the same. They were so loud, I could hear them coming through on the broadcast. Houston sucks. Houston sucks. Houston sucks. Like, Wow. And that, that was that was the nice stuff that the TV actually allowed them to play. But no, here's the thing. Okay, and, and we're gonna we're gonna dive deep into this through, throughout today's show. If you want to get in on the game hotline 337-706-0111. You are not going to win the series if you have a game where you can't pitch or hit. You're not. There are times where your offense can go cold, but your pitching can be so top-notch that, you know, make it a pitcher's duel. Win the game one nothing. You know, find a way to scratch a run or whatever. Or there's games where you're hitting the ball so well, it doesn't matter if you give up seven runs because you're scoring 11. You know, what? A, if, if you have one or the other, you still have a chance to win. If neither side of the game shows up for you, you're done. You're done. Lance McCullers was terrible. Absolutely horrible. He was tipping his pitches all night long. He made the one fatal flaw that you never make against Bryce Harper. You do not throw Bryce Harper a first pitch off speed. You don't. Bruh. You don't. And what did he do? He roasted you for it. So that's one thing. And then again, going back to the tipping pitches, Alex Baum comes up in the next inning, and right before he goes to the plate, Bryce Harper says, Hey, bud, c- come see. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what I saw. What happens? Bomb. Brandon Marsh comes up. What happens? Bomb. Right there, it's 4 nothing in the second inning. If I'm dust, I'm pulling them. Look, bud, not your night. It happens. Everybody has bad nights, and tonight just 
is yours. Like, it's what it is. I would have pulled him. I would have turned the rest of the game into a bullpen game, and I would have tried to salvage something there. Instead, you say, you know, McCullers ends up coming out and has a decent third inning and a good fourth inning. Oh, let's keep riding him. Let's see what happens. Wrong. Three more runs scored. Now it's 7 nothing, And you're not getting out of that. You're not. Got him. <laughs> I mean, you just you're not getting out of that. I mean, Altuve, 0 for four. Alvarez, 0 for four. Bregman, 0 for three. Tucker, 0 for four. You can't win when your first five batters in the lineup combine for one hit, and the one hit came from your rookie. A guy who's never played in the World Series before. I am tired of watching the Astros have great regular seasons, a great ALDS and ALCS, and get to the World Series and crap it away. I'm tired of it. You did it against the Nationals. You didn't win a single game at home against the Nationals. The Braves... I don't, I don't even know what to say about the Braves. They just beat you. And then here we are again. A team that scooted their way into the playoffs, literally clinched a playoff spot with two games left in the regular season. Nobody expected them to make it out of the wild card round because let's not forget the 40 games into the season, they had to fire their coach. They're doing this with an interim manager. And they're now two games away from winning the World Series. I mean, please, if somebody disagrees with me, I want to hear it. Because, I mean, this is ridiculous. And now the Astros are going to have to win the next two in Philly tonight and tomorrow if they want to have a shot. Because I just don't see a world where you can come back to Houston down 3-2 and find a way to win. I you, just don't see it. You have to win tonight, and you got to win in Game 5. Oh, tonight Tonight is the absolute definition of a must-win. You lose tonight, you're done. You're done. You are not winning three straight against this team. You're just not. But you're also, if if you have two of your losses be while JV is the starter. Oh, that I mean, that's, that's a problem, too. So, to me, the next two are must-wins. You have to... You have to get out of Philly up 3-2 because if you go down 3-2, you see and that's heading why, back to Houston and that's why I would have started Frommer tomorrow. If I was Dusty Baker, I'd be starting Frommer tomorrow. You need the two games. Cuz here's the thing, if you go back to Houston down 3-2 and you get and you have JV for the for game 6, you could lose game 6. Obviously you don't want to, but it doesn't end your season. You start J. Say you lose tonight and you start JV tomorrow. You're done. It's not that I don't love JV's one of the greatest pitchers the game of baseball has ever seen. But the guy can't do it in the World Series. Name me a game that he has started in the World Series that his team has won. Oh, wait, you can't. Because it hasn't happened. The Astros have to get out 
of their own way. Because again, go back to McCullers, tipping his pitches all night, and don't don't tell me that he wasn't. There's video evidence. The placement of his glove indicated what type of pitch he was throwing. His leg kick indicated what type of pitch he was throwing. And oh, here's another thing that they pointed out during the broadcast last night, James. The five pitches that resulted in home runs were all in the same area of the plate. They were all within a couple inches of each other, every single one of them. They were in the lower half of the plate, all kind of bunched together, every single one. You got to get out of your own way. Your your big-time contributors have to be able to step up in situations like this. I'm talking about Altuve. I'm talking about Jordan. I'm talking about Bregman. I'm talking about Tucker. Those guys have to step up. Yuli, too. I mean, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give credit to Yuli. He got a base hit last night. But your guys have to step up. Since game two of the ALDS, when Jordan hit that not not the walk off, but the second game that he had that two run home run. You know what his batting average is since that game? I think it's one sixty seven. One twenty five. He's four for twenty eight. Four for thirty two. I'm sorry. Four for thirty two. Since game two of the ALDS. That's horrible. That is one for eight. So every other game, you slap a single. Whoop de doo. From your big-time money makers, I mean, what was the contract that you signed Jordan to? $115 million for six years? I need you to contribute when it matters. Hitting 40 home runs in the regular season and batting 309 is, is you know, hunky-dory and everybody's happy. Six for 115. Yeah, so exactly. So what, $19 million a year? Hitting 40 home runs and 80-something RBIs in the regular season. You know, woohoo, go us. I need you to step up when it matters. And the fact that you're not, and the fact that you haven't the last couple of years is a problem. Now, look, I'm not sitting here saying it's a problem like, oh, let's trade Altuve, let's trade Jordan Alvarez. No, I'm not doing that. The Astros have to figure out a way to win this ballgame. And you're going to have to do it scoring five-plus runs. You're gonna, you need offense. Now, look, I'm, I'm not worried about the pitching tonight. I think Christian Javier is going to have a great night. Christian Javier has proven time and time again that the lights aren't too bright for him, that the stadium and the environment aren't too bright for him. I mean, dude, he went to the Bronx and pitched a combined no-hitter. Like, Javier can do well in this moment. And the stuff that he has, he matches up well with the Phillies. But if the offense doesn't deliver when it matters tonight, you're going to be in trouble. So, again, the Astros are going to have to figure something out Speaking of the Astros, obviously game four is tonight. Down 2-1, to one, the Houston Astros need to take down the Phillies. Will they get the job done? Only way to find out is by listening to every pitch, crucial hit, and thrilling moment of game four 
on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Astro launch begins at 6.30, and first pitch is set for 7.03, and you can listen to it all live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. All right, James, I'm done ranting. Do you have something to say about the game last night? I didn't get to watch it. I had one of those nights where I actually went to bed at a decent time. good for you. I know. Good for you. I was exhausted yesterday. So I went to bed at 10, but I did did watch some of it back, and I saw how Lance did tip his pitches. Ridiculous. And, And it's like, I'll say it. I mean, I'm not a huge baseball guy, so for me, I didn't notice it at first, but whenever I was shown... What was happening? I was like, right. okay, yeah, I, well, I, can, see, I, can, I can see this. I can here's see why thing. that was such a big issue. Because if you're basically telling them what you're going to be doing, right? Here's, you're doing yourself a disservice. And here's the thing. Tipping pitches happens. Like, guys tip their pitches all the time. But more times than not, the manager, when he realizes, oh, crap, my guy's tipping his pitches, you got to go out. get him. You got to get him out. Instead, you left him in there to die, and by the time you pulled him, it was too late. Now, I will credit Jose Arquiti. He came in and sucked up three innings, and he only gave up one hit. The guy was impressive. And what that did was that saved you from going even deeper in the bullpen. Now you still have a lot of your bullpen available. Hunter Brown has not pitched yet in the World Series. You still have Hector Neris. You still have Rafael Montero. And you I've, still have I like, Ryan Presley. I like what Hector's been able to Absolutely. do. Hector's been fantastic. He's been amazing. Um, you still have Luis Garcia. Yeah. like There's a lot of arms that you haven't gone to yet in the bullpen, which is huge. You have Will Smith, too. So, I mean, I really want to give props to Jose Arquiti. He did a lot last night for the Astros. The biggest issue that I have is... The offense, the batting order has to deliver. Trey Mancini, dude's been horrible, and I and I think horrible. The top of the eighth really stood out to me because it started with Jose, and with you being down seven to zero at the top of the eighth, that's pretty much it's your second to last chance, but it's your last best chance, I guess you could say. Yeah, because at this point, there's no way you put up seven plus runs in the ninth with you only getting five hits so far in that game. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and if you look at it, start off with Jose, ground out. Okay. Pena walked. Okay, well, now you have somebody, so if you get Jordan to hit one, okay, well now it's seven two and you're only you only got one out, you could build some momentum with that. Nope. Fly out to center field. Yep. Bregman was then also walked. So now you got you got Pena in scoring position, and then you have Bregman getting a walk. So now you got two people on base. You could potentially make this a three run homer. Or at least get one guy on, and and hopefully, Pena can make it back home to at least get a run on the board. But no, but then Kyle Tucker gets gets his his own flyout, and it ends the inning. Is like, well, those are your those are your first five in the lineup, and that's how it ends. I mean, when I got concerned, when I got really concerned, was in the fifth. Mm-hmm. Top of the fifth, it's four nothing. McCormick gets walked, and Maldonado singles. Runners on first and second. Jose comes up, and you're like, okay, you know, you got you got get, two on. You get one run here. You can work with that. You'd you be down four one. You've got something here. Nope, fouled out. 
hit a little bloop fly out in foul territory to first base. Oh, by the way, just getting this from Field Yates, but uh, Brett Hundley just got signed to the Saints practice squad. Solid! Because we needed another mediocre quarterback. Cool. There's not too many good ones out there right now anyway. So. That's, that's very fair. That's very fair. Oh, okay. Well, I feel better. So appreciate you you letting me have a vent session here to to start off the show. We'll take a time out. When we return, I've got a guess who for Mr. James Mesh. And we have audio from Louisiana Raging Cajuns head coach Michael Desermo right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, let's play guess who. Basically how this works is I'm going to read off a player's resume. I'm not going to tell you his name. I'm not going to tell you who he plays for or anything like that. The question is, is this player worthy of the Hall of Fame? Then it's not guess who. <laughs> well, kind of, sort of. Because you still don't know who it is. Okay. But anyways, let's let's move on. This player is a one-time All-Pro selection. He is a four-time Pro Bowl selection. He was a league MVP. He was a league rookie of the year. He has 61,743 career passing yards, 376 career total touchdowns. He has played in one Super Bowl, and he is 0-1 in that Super Bowl. And he's been in the league for 14 years. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, pre- it's pretty good stats. Nice touchdown interception ratio. It's about two to one, a little more than two to one. You said he's been in the year for he's been in the league for 14 seasons, 2008. So, yeah, about 14, 15 years. So a little over 4,000 per year. It's pretty good. But it kind of depends. What? era did he play in so is he a a current player or did he play or is or did he play like earlier earlier decades so he was drafted in 2008 oh yeah okay okay 2008 so he's so he is a current player he did he just retire current player current player Ooh, 2008 uh because, I mean, if when you think about it, I mean, 4,000 is kind of the standard at this point. Touchdown and interception ratio yep. is 2-1. to one. I mean, that that's what you should have at this point if you're playing in the game. Like, if we were talking about, like, Johnny Unitas time, like 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah, that you were pretty much a god at that point. His, but, highest, his highest passing yards in a single season was in 2016 – he threw for 4944 yards. So a hair under a hair under uh 5000. I think I know who it is, uh but I don't want that to be a part of the judgment. I think you I think overall when you look at it even though I don't get a context of his whole career and like everything surrounding him, I think it was a pretty good career. I just don't think it's necessarily 
Hall of Fame worthy. Okay, so in your opinion, what holds him back from being in the Hall? The fact that he doesn't have a Super Bowl. I think having the Super Bowl. I think the fact that you have kind of, like I said, if if he was in earlier decades where like having four thousand yards was absolutely incredible, then yeah, I'd probably say it. But the fact that you expect most quarterbacks to hit at the minimum four thousand yeah. every year, right? And he's and he's not a part of the five thousand club. It, to me. That that's pretty good, but I don't think it's spectacular enough in my eyes, and it's not amazing enough of a touchdown interception ratio for you to be like, yeah, that's that's Hall of Fame worthy. Okay. Um. Well, a, a listener just got it correct. Is it Matt Ryan? It is Matt Ryan. Nice. It is Matt Ryan. Uh, and so yeah, I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer either. But the the conversation is being had, which is which is interesting. But I got another one for you, because like I said, the, ha, where he was and what surrounded him for a majority of his career that matters as well. Not just blankly looking at, oh, I eclipsed sixty thousand yards. It, it's it's not like it's not like getting to seven hundred home runs. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like if you hit a certain milestone, you instantly get in. That's fair. Even though it definitely helps. I don't think that's the end-all, be-all. It's that's, the same thing with touchdowns, interceptions. Like, look at Brett Favre. He's got a gajillion interceptions, but most people consider him a top-five QB all-time. All right, so I got another one for you. Okay. This player is also a four-time Pro Bowler. Okay. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ. He is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. He was voted the Walter Payton Man of the Year. In his career, he completed 60% of his passes. 57,023 yards, 366 touchdowns, and 244 interceptions. Mm, so, not as good of a touchdown-interception ratio. No. Uh, mm, I have two that come to mind. When you said two, is he also was he also in our era? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of two. Okay. Uh, I'm, they were both from the 04 draft. Yes. Hall of Famer? Oh, that's so interesting because I think one of them could be. The other one, I'm a lot more skeptical about it. Okay, so who's the one that you think could be? Who do? Well, to me, it's either Roethlisberger or Eli Manning. Okay, but well, with you telling me the touchdown-to-interception ratio, I think it's Eli Manning. And if it's Eli Manning, I don't think so because... Oh, wrong! I, I, I don't think... Wrong. I really don't feel like he is. I mean, yes, he got the two Super Bowls against Brady. That's... Absolutely incredible. But looking at regular season stats and how often he really went to the playoffs, it's not like he went every year. You really don't think Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer? I think he's borderline. I think these, the lone reason why he gets in is because he beat Tom Brady twice. Every every other statistic and all, metric in my eyes tells me he was average to all that maybe man, above average at All best. that man needed was one Super Bowl. His last name alone puts him in. He's a Manning. You can't tell me they're not going to put a Manning in the Hall of Fame. I never said they won't. I'm saying I wouldn't put him in. Hmm. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think anytime you win multiple Super Bowls and you <laughs> play and you play for as foot, long as he did. Foot agrees with me. He said, Eli should not even be considered for the Hall of Fame. Uh, That's what I'm saying. He was average QB. He just made two incredible Super Bowl runs. And even in the Super Bowl, it's not like you were like, wow, 
he played out of his mind. They they put up 21 and 17. They did enough to win, no doubt. Don't get me wrong. He definitely put up enough to win and made enough plays to get the win. But when you watch the Super Bowl runs, were you like, wow, Eli Manning, top five QB? Yeah. Was was he that's another thing. Was he ever considered the top five QB in his time? I mean, by the masses, maybe not. But you considered him a top five? That second Super Bowl year? Yeah, I thought he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Didn't they get into the playoffs at like a nine and seven record? Yep. That's a top five QB right there, huh? The year, the year they won the Super Bowl, they were nice. nine and seven. Yeah. Hey man. You it's about teams that get hot late. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. But again, you know, will he be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not. I mean, again, I'd put him in there just because I... Frank says no as well, by the way. I mean, like like I always say, everybody's entitled to their own opinion even when they're wrong. You say that, but you're always the one that's wrong when you say that. That's not true. It's very true. It's not true. It's actual factual. It's actual factual. Anyways, did you know that his real name is not Eli? I heard something about it. I don't know what it is. I might have heard it before, but I, I can't remember off top. So you would think... It would well, be Elijah. Well, Elijah... You would think it'd be Elijah. No. Elisha. <laughs> E-L-I-S-H-A. Elisha. Yeah. Elisha Nelson Manning. Nope. Ban him. He's not allowed to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Elisha Manning. You Could can't. you imagine if that was like what they called him? It is. Well, no. <laughs> you were, they don't call him that. I've never heard Archie call him Elisha. I'm sure if he got in trouble, he was like, Elisha, whatever your middle name is, Manning, get over here. Elisha Nelson. Elisha Nelson Manning. Oh, my God. That's so funny. We'll take a time out. Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joins us next for a conversation about this massive weekend of college football coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's going to be a very Brendan-filled Wednesday afternoon. Here on Crunch Time, let's kick it off with Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Brendan, what's going on, bud? How are you? going on Matt ready for this weekend of college football it's gonna be huge oh man it's gonna be so wild let's start let's backtrack a little bit let's go back to last weekend uh you know you're a you're a Michigan State guy so it would be naive of me to not ask this question uh what are your what are your thoughts on the the video from the Michigan State tunnel yeah I kind of figured this question was coming so I mean a lot of people put pretty much most of the blame on those Michigan State players who were attacking that singular Michigan player and, I mean, I completely agree. They deserve to be punished. They've been suspended. They've been dealt with. Who knows if there'll be criminal charges. I'm not the person to make that decision. So that's up to the that's up to the police. That's up to, you know, the law enforcement. But in my opinion, I don't think people are blaming uh, Michigan player enough because he kind of jumped the line. He, like, skipped ahead into a group of Michigan State players to get treatment, apparently. Apparently that was the situation. I don't know why he couldn't wait another two minutes for treatment 
That's why I'm kind of confused on that part. So I think more of the blame needs to be put on that Michigan player who kind of jumped the line, and he was all in up in Michigan State's the player's business, uh, skipping around. Right. And, you know, Michigan State, those players, they're not going to jump anyone without enticement. So there's no doubt in my mind that he enticed the attack, but both sides are to blame. Yeah, you know, you you brought up the player that that skipped his way into the the Michigan State line. You know, that that was that was obviously uncalled for. Um, you know, I I don't condone fighting and obviously the Michigan State players were very much in the wrong. However, I hate to use the term that he that he kind of, you know, he kind of poked the bear a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um and then, you know, another thing that, that I found was interesting about the video is if you look in the background, there's a Michigan coach that's just standing there watching it happen. Yeah. I mean, the coaching staff, the security guards, police officers present also did a poor job of breaking up the fight. And I saw nobody in there to really break it up except maybe a couple of players. So. Law enforcement there, the coaching staffs also need to be held accountable for this because it's just simply unacceptable that nobody really stepped in. Yeah, no, no question about it. Give me your thoughts on the initial college football playoff rankings that came out last night. You know, these first rankings that usually don't make it a huge deal simply because it's all going to work itself out. Yeah, TCU's at seven. That's kind of the part. I would have had TCU maybe at six ahead of one loss to Alabama. Uh, in my opinion, but that's all going to play play itself out because Ohio State's going to play Michigan, so one of those teams is going to drop. Uh, Georgia's going to play Tennessee this weekend. Alabama's going to have tough games coming up against well, this weekend against LSU. Next weekend against Ole Miss. If they make the SEC championship game, they would play Georgia or Tennessee, who's ahead of them right now. So it's going to work itself out. Uh, I mean, Texas in there, top 25 was a little questionable in my opinion. Same thing with UCF when you had other lost teams that maybe played tougher schedules than UCF, but overall I thought they were fine. You know, I didn't mind Clemson in the top four. Do I think they're one of the four best teams? No, not necessarily. I think Michigan would beat them on a neutral field. However, Clemson's resume, in my opinion, is more impressive than Michigan. So this these first rankings kind of just kind of set the precedent for the season. Alright, are we going off of all resume here, or are we going for best teams I test? And so it's cool to see kind of where their head's at. You talked about the massive weekend of college football. Let's go ahead and get to some of the bigger games on the schedule, and we'll start with one that we're paying very close attention to as uh, the number 10 LSU Tigers host the number 6-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. This is always a big matchup. No matter, you know, you, you look at last year, LSU was terrible, and this was still, you know, a major game. What is what is your thoughts on the game on paper heading into Saturday, and who do you have winning it? Yeah, obviously a big rivalry game. It's going to be a, a, a great environment down there in Death Valley by you guys uh, at night, too. So it's going to be crazy. I'm skeptical from an Alabama perspective because they have not performed well on lately under Nick Saban. So just from that standpoint, I think it's going to be closer than what people expect. I know the spread's like – I've seen like 13s out there, I think. I've seen all the way up to 16. So the spread is just wacky of all sorts. But I think Alabama has the advantage, obviously, on the field, more talent schematically, I think. But Ellis, but we saw uh, Alabama struggle in the secondary against Tennessee. If LSU can play balance, 
Jane Daniels push ball field down a little bit more, use those receivers, because LSU's got some talented receivers. I think LSU can keep this close. Do I think they win? No. Would I be shocked if they win? No. But I still think Alabama wins. I think it'll be kind of a 10-point game throughout. LSU will cover Alabama wins. And then the other big one at 2.30 Saturday afternoon is number one, Tennessee, number three, Georgia. You know, this one's more than likely going to decide the SEC East. Uh, two two absolute juggernauts this year. Who wins that one? Yeah, I mean, this is a de facto SEC East championship game, and this is probably one of the biggest regular season games of the year, this and Tennessee-Bama, obviously. But embrace this game because once we get to an expanded playoff, there is not going to be as high of stakes as this because there's going to be that safety net under both of these under undefeated teams in late November because now, hey, we can lose two games, we can lose maybe even three games and still make this playoff and win the national championship. Now, with the four-team playoff, you lose one game, you might be out, especially if you lose two. So embrace this game. It's going to be a high-stakes regular season game. Uh, the spread, I think it opened at like 11.5. It's down to probably 8 or 8.5, I think, now. I think Tennessee keeps it as a one-score game. The X factor in this game is Tennessee's run game. Tennessee had success on the ground against Bama. That's how they were able to open up that the safety, the safety against Bama. Uh, Jalen Hyatt just running right through the Alabama secondary. That same thing needs to happen for Tennessee to win this football game. I like Georgia's defense not as good as last year, but Georgia's defense is still really good. I think they're going to stop the run. I think they're going to kind of limit Hennon Hooker in the passing game. I think it's going to be a one-score game, like I said. Give me Georgia to win. Give me Tennessee to cover. Oklahoma State and Kansas is another big one that I'm looking for. You know, Spencer Sanders kind of got rattled a little bit this past weekend, might want to redeem himself. And then, you know, the the Jayhawks have just been such a great story so far this season. Yeah, I mean, this this is one of the more harder game, hard games to predict, in my opinion. I don't think Mike Gunny's team will have two awful performances in back-to-back weeks. He's just too good of a coach to let that happen. He even said last week that, he, he didn't think like they were really prepared. So expect Oklahoma State to play a much better game this week than they did last week. But I think I'm picking Kansas State to win this game. Uh, it's going to be close. I'll, or excuse not Kansas State, Kansas. I'll pick Kansas to win this game. It's going to be close. Oklahoma State, I think their defense is a little overrated. I remember in their first five games of the season, I think they were outgained by like three or four of those games, and despite them going 5-0 and in their first five. So it's kind of an unsustainable model of winning in terms of just you know, just win the football game and just like betting odds. So I like Kansas to win this football game outright. Texas, Kansas State, you know, you look at Texas and they're 5-3, and three, but, man, some of the games that they've had, I mean, you only lose to Alabama by one. You obliterate Oklahoma and the Red River rivalry. They're a better team than their record indicates this year. In my opinion, do, do the Longhorns get it done over the uh, over the Wildcats? I think this is one. This one's going to be close as well. I, it's hard to predict these Big Twelve games. I I posted on Twitter I think Monday or Sunday that I'm like four and eight against the spread in Big Twelve games in the past three weeks, which is just wild. It's so hard to predict. But if you were to put a gun to my head, I'd say Kansas State wins this game outright. But it is a letdown spot for uh, for the Wildcats here after coming off that big 48 nothing win against uh, Oklahoma State last week. The letdown spot, Texas, you said it, they're better than the record says they are, and they have a lot of talent. 
I, I agree with you there. Are they one of the 25 best teams in the country? I think so. But going back to the playoff rankings, I don't think they deserve to be ranked in the top 25. So I like Kansas State to win this game. Not by much, but I'll take the Wildcats. I think Deuce Swan should have a big day. Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joining us. A couple more for you. UCF and Memphis. The Golden Knights have been impressive. But, you know, you look at Memphis, they're, they're not going away quietly over there in the American Conference. Yeah, I think UCF's a little they're, – they're an inconsistent football team. I mean, last week they beat Cincinnati really good win. Cincinnati's a solid team, solid program there with uh, Luke Fickle. But the week before that, they just got destroyed at East Carolina. East Carolina's a good team, but they had no business losing by it. Or they lose about probably like 24, 25 points. So UCF, I'm worried about them because they're a little inconsistent. Uh, they lost to Louisville earlier in the year. I mean, Louisville's now starting to turn around a bit. But I like Memphis in this game. I think spread is at like three and a half, so it should be another close one here. I like Memphis. I like their uh, quarterback, Seth Hennigan. Yeah, Seth Hennigan. So they've lost, I believe, three straight games. Two of them were on the road, the last two on the road. Coming back home, I think Memphis turns it around. I think they get the win here. Wake and NC State is an interesting ACC contest. Both teams sitting at the bottom of the playoff poll uh, NC State's got a lot to to play for. Over the, has has played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, and you know Wake as well getting Sam Hartman back. What are your thoughts on this ACC matchup? Yeah, I mean NC State just looked awful in the first half last week. I think it was a Thursday night game against uh, Virginia Tech. They looked awful in the first half. They looked totally lost without uh, Devin Leary, but they kind of found their quarterback now. MJ Morris. He's I believe he's a true freshman, if not a redshirt freshman. But, I mean, he was slinging the ball around in the second half for uh, NC State. He maintains that consistency. NC State's good enough on defense to kind of limit Sam Hartman, limit that slow kind of RPO game. It's unique, but the NC State defense, they can ride this one out to a victory. I'll take NC State to at least cover. I think it'll be super close, though. I'll take NC State to cover anyway. Why not? And last one I got for you, we, we played a, a little game in the last segment based off of a – pro football quarterback's resume, and I had James answer the question, is based on the resume, is the player a Hall of Famer? So I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm not. I'm just going to tell you who it is. Is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer in your opinion? Man, this is, this is tough. I'd say yes, just because of his Super Bowl rings. Obviously, I don't think he's as good of a quarterback as someone like Peyton Manning, obviously, but I'd say yeah, because he's he was a leader on that Giants team, so I'll, I'll give him a I'll give him the Hall of Fame nod. Thank you, thank you, Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network joining us. Appreciate you taking the time, Brendan. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk soon, my friend. Yeah, you too. Enjoy, and we'll talk soon. And there he goes, Brendan Moore of the Sideline Sports Network. Quickly, James Michael Desermo spoke with the media the other day regarding their performance against Southern Miss and running into Troy this weekend. And here was the head coach's opening statement. All right, so, you know, big week for us to uh, get back to it, you know, and certainly honoring um, a group of seniors that mean a lot to me personally, mean a lot to our program and a lot to our university. You know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's pretty safe to say that these guys have been a part of the best run you know, in UL history, um, certainly recent history. So, 
you know, want to go out and uh, and play really well for those guys, and not just this game, but go finish on a high note. The second, you know, the last third of the season, um, they have been a huge part of the progress this team has made. You know, and certainly um, you, you always want better results than what you're what you have right now. But the team's made a lot of progress, and I think for us, these last four games, we have a chance to turn that progress into some more wins and more results that we want, and finish on a high note. Coach Des also talked about, you know, he he brought up senior day and honoring the senior class. Obviously, there's a lot of mo- emotion that that goes into that. And uh, Des was asked, how do you, you know, compartmentalize and control that emotion? I think during the week it's easy, um, but before the game it's pretty difficult, you know, because you're, you know, I mean, shoot, everybody remembers their last, you know, their senior night. Everybody remembers the last time at home. Um, you know, I mean, vividly. And you know how much it means, you know. And like I said, no team is ever the same. So there's just all kind of emotions that go into it. But you, you have to try to manage it and, and do the best you can to go out there and go play. You know, once the ball's kicked off, everything kind of settles back in. You know, that's the way it always is. No matter, you know, people talk about the excitement to go play a game. And that, that's all that's all fine and good. But once the ball's kicked off, it turns into Okay, have we prepared well? You know, can we go out there and make some plays and capture some momentum and do some things to kind of play the game the way it needs to be played to win? So, you know, I mean, it, it's in the week it's easy because it's business as usual. Um, you know, right before the game it, it's it's tough, but then once it kind of starts, it settles back in. So it's kind of just you know a little bit up and down, but um, you know we'll, we'll prepare really hard. We'll work really hard this week to to get ready to go, so those guys can go out there and go have some success. We'll take a timeout and wrap up hour number one after this right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. There is no bigger and more animated, and emphasis on animated, Astros fan than our guy Kevin Foote. You can watch Foote watch Game 5 of the World Series by tuning into the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts on Thursday night. Foote will be cheering on his Astros to a victory and will be joined by some special guests. So tune into the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts Thursday night starting at 7 to watch Foote watch the Astros in the World Series. Welcome back to Crunch Time 454 on the radio and in real time. Looking at it, Julia Morales just dropped the lineup for tonight, and it's interesting, and Matt's not happy about it. Jose's at the one, Pena at two, Jordan's going to be the DH at three, so I think you can see where this is going. Bregman at four, Kyle Tucker five, Yuli at six, Christian Vasquez is going to be the catcher tonight for the seven hole, but then we got Alidmus Diaz in left field at the eight, and then you got Chaz McCormick at nine. Whoopee! We're breaking out all the stops. You know what? At this point, yeah. let's just put Uncle Mike in a uniform and let him play. <laughs> let's see what Dusty can do with the plate. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's see what hobbled Brantley can do. I'll swing with one arm, see if it works. Like, come on. We are scratching. That That is, to me, and this is no knock on Vasquez and Diaz. I think they're great players. This feels like a desperate move. It, it's desperation. This is desperate move. It, it, it's desperation. Because you know if you lose tonight, it, it's over. There's no way you come back 3-1. You, you might you might as well start for Amber tonight. I mean, honestly. I mean, I'm kidding. Please please don't do that. But I was going to say, 
You'd rather him be started in Game 5. I'd, I'd much rather him start Game 5. Because um, at this rate, we don't know that there's going to be a Game 6. But, yeah, it just it just feels desperate. And who knows? Diaz might go 3 for 4 with 3 RBIs tonight. And, you know, if that's the case, then... Be the know, hero that no one anticipated. We'll be praising his name tomorrow, and it'll be fine. I'll get, I'll get a Christian Vasquez jersey. But... I'd, that I'd, that makes that worries me because that worries usually me. you only bring in a Lidmus at the end of the game. The fact you're, that you're starting him, you're, you're taking out Martin also, and maybe that has something to do with Javier's chemistry because obviously there has to be a pitcher catcher connection. Yeah, maybe Javier's like I feel more comfortable with Vasquez. I don't know, but I would hope that that's the case because if you if you're losing trust in Maldonado. Uh, that that worries me. That worries me. Um, all right, James, we're going to take a timeout in our number one. Uh, <laughs> in our number two, we're going to talk to Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday. Uh, it's a short show today. We get out at 530 uh, because of the McNeese Coaches Show. So we're going to talk to Brendan Ertle, and then I have another listener submitted, guess who, for you. And we'll do that to end the show. Correct. Right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. More crunch time right after this top of the hour sports update. Don't go anywhere. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time. Technically, we're only here for 30 minutes. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you at 502. Hey, I didn't know it. Let's go to the game hotline now. It's time for Who Dat Wednesday. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Who Dat Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. He is the one. He is the only Mr. Brendan Ertle. Brendan, what's up, bud? Hey, I like that intro. Uh, doing good. I mean, you'd be doing better if you'd have copped those Air Force Ones, wouldn't you? Man, don't even bring that up right now. Don't even bring that up. Oh man! Don't even. I, I, the only thing I didn't like about those is the glittery Nike check. Like that just but, threw but me off. That's New Orleans. That's New Orleans. It's 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 bright. It's vibrant. It's gold. Uh, it looks like a chain. I mean, they were perfect, and I didn't get them, so I'm not happy. I still I still want a pair of gold toes. Well, uh, good luck finding them. Yeah, you t- telling me. I, I found a pair for three hundred and fifty dollars. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so the trade deadline came and went earlier this week. No trades by the black and gold. Did that maybe surprise you a little bit? Uh, no. I thought the only place that they might go in that situation was running back, and I think they feel good enough in the position that they're at with Kamara. Uh, Ingram suffered that eight MCL injury when he'll be out, you know, three to four weeks. So I thought maybe they'd kick the tires on a running back, uh, but it just didn't make sense to send off future compensation. We don't have a lot of draft capital, and you're going to get pretty much a bridge guy anyways till Ingram comes back or that guy leaves in free agency if you trade it for one. So 
I, I wasn't against them doing anything, but they're in a weird spot where they're three and five. Uh, they're not really trying to sell. They're not buying either. So if their record was flipped, I, maybe they are a little bit more aggressive and go get a guy uh, like Cream Hunt or something like that or uh, someone in the secondary. But uh, I, I didn't really expect them to do much. And uh, the, Alvin Kamara was never going to get traded unless a team offered you know, an insane package. So uh, I wasn't surprised and I wasn't really expecting anything. That's what we saw. You kind of answered our next question, but we'll get the other half. So the Saints were getting quite a bit of calls about some players. Who do you who who do you think they would have traded away? I, I don't think necessarily they were wanting to trade anyone. I, I think if they were to trade someone, it would be uh, in the secondary room, uh, but they're not healthy, so it didn't make sense. I, I thought Bradley Roby would be a guy that would make sense for a a team that needed a DB because they are they do have some great depth, but they're just so banged up right now they couldn't afford to trade uh, anyone like that. And he's on IR, so you can't even trade him. But uh, I I don't think that any of the Alvin Kamara rumors are true. The the Bills GM said today that they didn't even discuss that or did they call. So those reports just weren't uh, accurate. I mean, I bet the Eagles tried to talk to them, but uh, Alvin Kamara was never going to get traded for for the price that people were saying and after the week he had yeah definitely not for a second or third round pick such and uh you know i don't think they were ever going to trade anyone unless the package made sense for them uh mainly because the contracts of these players that we've discussed you know davenport pete guys like that it just didn't make sense to dish them off unless you got a huge return where you'd be okay eating a large amount of dead money yeah see i there are, I think, 30 players that are going to have their contract expire in 2023, and I thought the most likely target would have been Davenport because you because he's on the final year of his contract, so he's going to be a free agent after this year on his rookie deal. I felt like, well, you might as well deal him now uh, because maybe you just are that big on Davenport or maybe or on Turner since he would be going into year three. Mm-hmm. And you still have Tano and others, and you could always just go get another pass rusher in, in free agency, or if you just really want to go get another one in the draft and spend another first rounder on one, sure. But to me, that at this point, the way I see it is they're gonna just sign him to an extension and kind of just double down because you already put two first rounds, first round picks into the guy, as well as you don't want to look dumb because you let Trey Hendrickson walk for him, and then you let him walk as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a situation that they'll have to figure out. And I think uh, Peyton Turner having a great week is, is a super good sign for them. So if if Davenport does get priced out of New Orleans, you could say, um, you do feel some kind of confidence where we've seen, okay, we've, we've seen Peyton Turner do it. Uh, but it would have been interesting to see if we saw a uh, another – or if, if the, that the trade deadline was ahead of the Raiders game and we didn't see, like, this dominant defensive game where – uh, we were like, yeah, this this defense can can do it. They can be successful. Uh, and I think this past week, you know, dominating the Raiders, I, I think that really gave them some confidence moving forward. So I wonder if the trade deadline would have looked different uh, if we didn't have that much success. But yeah, I, I, Davenport's going to be a tricky situation. I think uh, you're in a decently good situation with him because if he does leave, um, which I don't think he necessarily will, but. I, 
Uh, if he does, it'll be a large contract, and the Saints will get some kind of comp pick in return. So it's not like they're just losing out completely. And then you'd have uh, Peyton Turner in the building as well. So uh, they have some options, and I, I never question too much what they do in the draft, but they've been successful. Um, if Peyton Turner can keep hitting those strides and keep putting good film out there, I think they're in a good spot. Brendan Ertle joining us here for Houdat Wednesday. There are reports, Brendan, there's a 50-50 chance that Mike could play on Monday night. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I've, I've heard those as well, and I, I think that is a, a really good thing, and I've heard good things about Jarvis. I've heard good things about Troutman and some other good things about some other players. So uh, I don't think there's any better situation than having the, that great week against the Raiders and then getting some guys back. I think Andy Dalton's playing – uh, some of the best quarterback play that we've seen at the position these past couple seasons. Uh, and that's just with Olave and, and those guys. So if you bring in MT Jarvis, I think this offense could really start to uh, be more consistent, turn the ball over less. And uh, if if they can keep scoring, the defense can keep playing well, uh, they definitely could make a run at things. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't rush Michael Thomas back too quick. I know he wants to be – as close as 100% as he could be. I uh, don't know the specifics, specifics of the injury, uh, but I don't think we ever will. Now, Brendan, looking at it, you know, Alante Taylor has been a, a guy in that secondary that has really, you know, carved himself his own role after his performance against the Raiders on Sunday. Where do you stand on Alante and where do you see him going forward? I think it's really hard for Alante. Uh, I don't think you could take him off the field. I think if uh, we can get Marshawn back, I don't. We'll, we'll see the injury report tomorrow. Uh, but if Marshawn's healthy on the field, I don't think you can take Alante Taylor off the field. I think as it stands right now, he would start opposite of Marshawn Lattimore, and you'd either have a Debo in the slot or you could even put Taylor in the slot. Uh, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense for Debo to play in the slot. They have. Uh, P.T. Williams returning soon, hopefully, and they got other guys that can play that position uh, with Roby on IR. But uh, I think he's played great, and I think he's been everything you can ask of a, of a rookie cornerback coming in. His first two games against DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams, two of the best in the game. You could argue two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL right now, and he, he was uh, respectfully dominant over both of them. So uh, dude's got confidence. He's got He's got juice. He brings everything that Caesar Gunner Johnson brought to this to this defense, and I kind of, I kind of uh, don't want to compare him too much to CJ. But his first couple of games remind me of when CJ came into that starting lineup and the immediate impact that he had just all over the football. And that's kind of what we've seen from Alante. So uh, I think he's been great. Uh, I questioned the pick when they drafted him, and I'm not questioning it anymore. At this point, we've seen some good from Andy Dalton, but we've also seen the bad. At this point, are you rolling with Andy Dalton until you just see some absolute regression and there's a no doubt you have to go with Jameis Winston at this point? Or do you think you give it another week or two and you feel a little more confident, or at least DA feels a little more confident, and you just go with Jameis Winston as soon as you can? Yeah, it really is a a unique situation with that quarterback room. Uh, you were always going to give Jameis the first shot because he's younger. He has more potential. The ceiling has a lot higher than what Andy is late in his career. Uh, Andy, you know, you know, at his peak was a top 15, 20, to 10, 
depending on uh, fan, what, which fan base you were, uh, quarterback in the NFL. So um, he, he's, he's shown that he can be a solid backup. He's shown that he can be a solid starter still. And I think uh, the way he facilitates the offense is exactly what was needed. And even uh, last year we could have used that as well. Uh, just this past game against the Raiders, he, he really did everything that you you should in that position. Give the ball to Alvin Kamara, give the ball to your playmakers, uh, have a successful run game, call the right plays, uh, be calm, composed in the pocket, and he did all those things, and that's just something we haven't seen from Jameis. So I think it would take an absolute dumpster fire over past, uh, of, of a couple games to really put Jameis back in because we haven't seen that from him really at all. And uh, you could argue we haven't even seen the best of Andy because you haven't seen it with Mike and Jarvis. So uh, the way he's facilitated things, the offense, I mean, Pete Carmichael's done a great job since Andy's been in. They're one of the highest-scoring offenses in the NFL. Uh, I, I think it's really, really hard for him to get put back on the sideline just because uh, the main reason we're 3-5 and five is because of our defense, not because of the offense. So, um, yeah, the turnovers need to be fixed. Uh, and they took a step in the right direction last week, but uh, need to start gaining some consistency, and I think Andy could really do that for us. Do you feel the tide starting to turn a little bit for the Saints after that game against the Ravens on Sunday? Oh, yeah, that was that was a night and day kind of game. That, that, is, that is a game where you kind of lock back in. You say, okay, we're 1-0. Let's reset. Let's build off of what we saw last week because that's what we should be that's what we should have been in week one. That's what we should be now. Um, I think that now that they put it on film, they all have confidence that they can do it, and they're just going to start getting healthier from here on out. So I think this really was a restart, and I think this kind of gave the whole staff uh, confidence that they can do it. And I think uh, this was Dennis Allen's best coach game. I think it was uh, the game he needed to have and the whole staff have. And it couldn't be uh, against a better opponent than the Raiders. So uh, really, really glad for him to get that first dominant win. And uh, it feels like we've had a – it's been a long time since we've had one of those. No Rashad Bateman for the or the Ravens, but New Orleans has had trouble against some running quarterbacks, and this one's the best one of them all. It's Lamar Jackson. Does, does this concern you? <sighs> oh, yeah, it concerns me. Uh, it doesn't matter who they have at wide receiver. It doesn't matter who they have at running back. Uh, Lamar has shown if he has Hollywood Brown or if he has, you know, Prochet at wide receiver one, he, he is able to score points. He can move the ball. And yes, he's going to run whenever he wants to. Uh, he'll make plays when plays are not there to be made. He's one of the best in the game at it. Uh, the Saints need to have some kind of incredible game plan to slow him down. Uh, I know Gus Edwards is battling through an injury. I know. Uh, like you said, Bateman's battling through something, and they got some other injuries. Uh, Mark Andrews has got multiple issues. So they're banged up. He's really going to have to take this team on his back and come into New Orleans on Monday Night Football where uh, the Saints just showed some huge potential to their city that they could be a dominant team, uh, an accessible team. So it's going to be rowdy. He's going to have to uh, really make plays on his own, but I don't doubt that he can. So uh, Saints D-line D- pass rush needs to show up like it, like it has. Uh, that past week, and uh, hopefully we can contain him just a little bit. The Ravens recently acquired Roquan Smith from the Bears. How much play do you expect to see from him Monday night, and what's your expectation for the game? I mean, of course, right? Uh, 
of course, a, a team gets healthy or gets a healthy player back or acquires a healthy uh, star before the Saints play. So uh, I don't think any fan was surprised to see that the Ravens make a huge deal like that. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit harder for him to grasp that defense as quickly as many think. If he was an on-ball linebacker, sure, he could figure it out, just go out there, pass rush, um, get some help from the interior. But uh, it, it is a good thing they have Queen in there as well so he can help him out. But I don't expect him to you know, play every single snap. I don't expect him to, to barely see him on the field either. They'll have packages for him. They'll have situations for him. And if he has questions, I, I'm sure Queen will be there to help. So, uh, yeah, he's a great player, super fast player. I, I think that Baltimore has probably the fastest linebacker duo in the National Bowl League right now with Roquan and Patrick Queen, and that's two SEC guys, two guys we're very familiar with. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can slow down Alvin Kamara. And then one more for you, Brennan. Uh, Matt says yes to this question, but do you think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer? Uh, I I think I think there's no question that he should be. He's won two Super Bowls. His stats are there. If you turn on the tape, um, some people may have questions about, you know, does do Super Bowls get you in the Hall of Fame? And I, I think that they do. Um, it, it you got to have something. You got to have rings. You got to have stats. You got to have, um, I don't know, some kind of success. And Eli was the ultimate competitor. He's a Manning. I think it'd be. Uh, a, a disservice to the family if he didn't. I, I know no one deserves anything because their last name, but he was one of the greats in this league, and uh, we all kind of remember him for the past uh, few years that he had and uh, the rough years he had, but uh, he was the ultimate Brady beater. I know Saints fans will appreciate that, and uh, you know he's, he's definitely not one of the top quarterbacks of all time, but he's not one of the worst either, so uh, I, I think for sure he's a uh, we should see him in uh, Canton, Ohio one day. Absolutely. I, I told you uh, I was right. He's not. I'm assuming James does not. He's going to get in, but he. the only reason he's going to get in is because of his Super Bowls. I I look at the stats, I'm like, this is meh at best. Yeah. He was an average-ass quarterback his whole career. He just had two really good playoff runs in in the playoff runs, it's not like he was a world beater. It's not like he he even he, he didn't even do a Joe Flacco thing where he had a good playoff run. It was mainly the defense the whole time. Bro, it yeah, doesn't it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Guy's got two Super Bowls. He's got the numbers to back it up. The numbers don't back it up though. But they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Brendan. Here's what I said. There's worse players in the in in the Hall of Fame. Thank uh, you. Quarterbacks especially that uh, Eli That's, Manning is better than. And that's and uh, that's what I'm saying. He's gonna get in, but I don't think he deserves to be because I don't think he did enough. The ultimate Eli Manning hater. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan, you, you said you said he deserves to get in just because his last name is Manning. No, I didn't say that he yes, deserved he to get in because of his. I said his last name will get him in. Big difference. <laughs> Big difference. Brendan, appreciate you taking the time, bud. Each and every Wednesday, we'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. Tune in next week for another edition of Hoodat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 
Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Start NFL Week 9 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A parlay that I made is a Devontae Smith anytime touchdown, a Damian Pierce anytime touchdown, and then taking the Eagles' money line. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. All right, James, one final guess who. This player spent 12 years with one team. He went to four Pro Bowls. And in his career, had 34,183 passing yards, 248 touchdowns, and 117 interceptions. So, solid stats. Solid stats. Solid. Not great. Never went to a Super Bowl. Never won a Super Bowl. I can't win. Never went. Um, <laughs> that's, <but laughs> that's fair. Had a, Was he at least an All-Pro? <laughs> Never once named an opera. Was named four Pro Bowls. So he was just a regular Joe Schmo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. no not, <laughs> He's not, not a even, Famer. Yeah, not pretty, even close. Pr- pr- pretty easy. Uh, it's it's t- can you guess who it is? Well, you kind of just today junior. Um, was it in this? It was was it in this era? Yeah. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Oh, look at that. It is Tony Romo. Yeah, no shot. Yeah, no. Maybe he's a broadcaster. Yeah. Because he's a pretty good one. He's got a Hall of Fame badge of messing up the holding snap for an extra point in the playoffs. Oof. You went there. Sick bird, bro. Oh, my God. Sheesh. Sheesh. Oh, man. Poor, poor Tony Romo. He gets so much crap for bobbling that. I love Tony, though. I love him as a broadcaster. God. He's so good. He, he really is. He's he's fantastic. You know, they, they call me the Tony Romo of high school football broadcasting. No, they don't. I see things before they happen. No, you don't. I do. Ask Stevie What P. proof do you have? Go listen to our broadcasts. I have. All of them? No. Okay, then. So, you don't know. I've never heard one prediction. Mm, okay. Well, then you aren't listening hard enough. Do it. I do it quite often. But anyways. You're right. I have ear problems. Anyways. Game four of the World Series is tonight. You can catch it right here on the game. Go sign up for the game clubhouse. Can't stress that enough. Uh, if you want to win tickets to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, text the word Panther to 337-283-8100. Uh, that's next Thursday night. So if you want to get in on that action, you can do so. Uh, again, the clubhouse no-brainer to go sign up. Plenty of prizes that you can win. Plenty of great festivals and events coming up in Acadiana to check out. 
all of that and so much more. Tomorrow's edition of Crunch Time, we will be, well, I will be, remote at St. Martinville Senior High School as the Southside Sharks take on Sam Houston in the regular season finale for senior night. Uh, pre-game is at 6.45. Kickoff is at 7. You can hear that game on Mustang 107.1 with Steve Peliquin and myself. Uh, so we'll, I'll do the show live there from 4 to 6. And we will talk with Jay Walker for Cajun's Corner. We'll preview some college football this weekend a little bit more. And hopefully have a happy time talking about the Houston Astros. Because God, if we have to do this again tomorrow. James, I'm not going to be a pleasant person to deal with. I just, I need, I need that to, to be known. It will be good content tomorrow. It'll be good content. Uh, if you like to hear people, you know, in, in fits of rage. Also, Jay, by the way, if you are still listening, the answer to your question is no. Okay, now I'm intrigued. What was the question? He, he, well, he was saying he believes that Tony did get an All-Pro, but I just checked. No. no. He was just – his only accolade was being a four-time pro yep. bowler. So uh, not not many accolades for, for poor Tony. But uh, Lacking in that category. Yeah, you know, everybody has to. Hey, so, he fills our hearts with predicting the next play. Number nine in the program, but he's number one in our hearts. Exactly. Oh, man. Okay. That's – that, that's going to do it for, for today's edition of Crunch Time. Uh, tomorrow night, if you want to watch Game 5 or watch Foot go crazy about Game 5 of the World Series, you can do that on our Facebook and Twitch channels. You know, that's going to be fun. Uh, it always is when, when, when Foot watches baseball. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Thanks to the two Brendans, Brendan Moore and Brendan Ertle, for joining us today. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Same time tomorrow, same station. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The McNeese Coaches Show with Jim Gazzolo is next.